welcome to the Reading the Bible Daily with Dave podcast. This podcast is devoted to helping increase your daily exposure to God's Word with a short scripture reading and brief commentary on key ideas, themes, and theology in each chapter. Now please join your host, Dave Jenkins, for today's episode. All right, well, welcome back to the Reading the Bible Daily with Dave podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this show. And today is January 26th, and today we're going to look at Genesis 26. Just as a reminder, every day I read from one chapter of the Bible, and I and I explain very briefly key ideas, thoughts, and themes, and the theology uh, very briefly. My goal is to get you into God's Word for about 5 to 20 minutes every day. And you know what? Most days we're pretty successful at that. And some days we go 30 minutes. Well, let's get into our reading today from Genesis 26. Genesis 26 says this, Now there was a famine in the land beside the former famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Gerar to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and to your offspring I will give all these lands, and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of the heavens and will give to your offspring all these lands. And in your offspring all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. And so Isaac settled in Gerar. And when the men of the place asked him about his wife, he said, She is my sister, for he feared to say my wife, thinking, Lest the men of this place should kill me because of Rebekah because she was attractive in appearance. And when he had been there a long time, Abimelech, the king of the Philistines, looked out of a window and saw Isaac laughing with Rebekah, his wife. And so Abimelech called Isaac and said, Behold, she is your wife. How then could she say she is my sister? Well, Isaac said to him, Because I thought, lest I die because of her, Abimelech said, What is this you have done to us? One of the people might easily have lain with your wife, and you would have brought guilt upon us. And so Abimelech warned all the people, saying, Whoever touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. And Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. The Lord blessed him, and the man became rich and gave more and more until he became very wealthy. He had possessions of flocks and herds and many servants, so that the Philistines envied him. And now the Philistines had stopped and filled with the filled with the earth all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father. And Abimelech said to Isaac, "Go away from us, for you are much mightier than we." And so Isaac departed from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water that had been dug in the days of Abraham his father, which the Philistines had stopped after the death of Abraham. And he gave them the names that his father had given them. But when Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found there a well of spring water, the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac herdsmen, saying, The water is ours. And so he called the name of the well Isik, because they contended with him. And then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that also. And so he called its name Sitna. And he moved from there and dug another well, and they did not quarrel over it. And so he called its name Rehoboth, saying, For now the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. 
From there he went up to Beersheba, and the Lord appeared to him the same night, saying, I am the God of Abraham your father. Fear not, for I am with you, and I will bless you and multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. And so he built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants dug a well. And when Abimelech went to him from Gerir with Azuz, his advisor, and Peshgol, the commander of his army, Isaac said to them, Why have you come to me, seeing that you hate me, and have sent me away from you? They said, We see plainly that the Lord has been with you. So we said, Let there be a sworn pact between us, between uh, you and us, and let us make a covenant with you, that you will do us no harm. Just as we have not touched you and have done to you nothing but good and have sent you away in peace you are now the blessed of the lord and so he made them a feast they ate and drank and in the morning they rose early and exchanged oaths and isaac sent them on their way and they departed from him in peace that same day isaac's servants came and told him about the well that they had dug and said to him we have found water he called it sheba therefore the name of the city is beersheba to this day and when Esau was 40 years old, he took Judith, the daughter of Bere, the Hittite, to be his wife, and Bethshemeth, the daughter of the Elon, the Hittite, and they made life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah. Well, this is our reading today from Genesis 26. Well, in this chapter, we see that the events recorded in this section probably took place most likely after the death of Abraham, when Esau and Jacob were young men. Much of this chapter is closely resembles episodes from the life of Abraham. In this chapter, it also confirms that the divine promise to Abraham are passed on to Isaac. In the first two verses, we see beside the former famine that was in the days of Abraham. And here the narrator alludes to the famine mentioned in Genesis 12. On that occasion, Abraham went down to Egypt, and Isaac is instructed to remain in Gerir, having just moved there because of the famine. Abimelech, and since the events of this chapter are difficult to date precisely, it is possible that this is the same king mentioned in Genesis 20-21. through and yet it is perhaps even more likely that he is a son or grandson of the Abimelech known to Abraham. Now, uh, verses 3 through 5. The Lord instructs Isaac to remain in Canaan with the promise he shall be blessed for doing so. I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham. This refers to the oath given in Genesis 22, 16 through 18, the substance of which is repeated here. Now, not only is Isaac heir to the promises made by God to Abraham, but their fulfillment is intimately linked to him and to his descendants. Kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Now, the various terms here are used, which are elsewhere often associated with the law and the instructions given at Mount Sinai, and they underline that Abraham's obedience to God was unreserved. Verses 6 through 7. Being new to the region of Gerir, Isaac adopts the same ruse that Abraham earlier used in both Egypt in Genesis 12, 10 through 12, and Gerir in Genesis 20, 18 through 20. Verse 8. Saw Isaac laughing with Rebekah. Now, in this context, the Hebrew word to laugh, it implies laughing as they caress affectionately. The narrator deliberately chooses this verb to create a play on the name Isaac. It means he laughs. Abimelech sees Isaac being himself with Rebekah and draws the obvious conclusion they're married. 
verses 12 through 13. The Lord blessed him. Blessing is always an indication of divine favor in the word of God. And so, as a result, Isaac became very wealthy. Verse 15. The Philistines may have closed up the wells to discourage semi-nomadic herdsmen from grazing their livestock in the region. Verse 17, Isaac relocates uh, from the city of Gerier to the valley of Gerier, a region under the control of Gerier, but not adjunct to the city. Verses 19 through 22, and since water was a vital commodity in this arid region, disputes over the ownership of the wells were common. The name of the well, Isaac, Sitna, and Rehoboth reflect the events associated with them. Verses 23 through 25. Isaac's servants dug a well. Well, years earlier, Abraham had dug a well at Beersheba in Genesis 21:30, but it was later filled by the Philistines in Genesis 26:15, 26, 26 through 31 of this chapter. Now, Abimelech comes to Isaac in order to establish a covenant in verses 28, or to treat him with guaranteeing peaceful coexistence. This arises from a change of heart by Abimelech, who now acknowledges the Lord's presence with Isaac. A similar treaty was made in the time of Abraham in Genesis 21, 22-32. Fickle in Genesis 26, 26 is possibly the same name mentioned in Genesis 21, 22. Alternatively, Fickle could be a family name or a title and here refer to somebody else. Verses 32-33. The ratification of the treaty, it coincides with the discovery of water in a well being dug by Isaac's servants in verse 32. Consequently, the well is called Sheba, which resembles the Hebrew word for oath. Verses 34 through 35. By emphasizing the Hittite origin of Esau's wives, verse 34 could probably imply that Esau has not chosen them wisely. And this is confirmed by the observation that they made life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah in verse 35. Now, it's helpful to consider the promises of the gospel. Most Christians unconsciously view the hope of salvation we have in Christ Jesus to be an entirely spiritual reality. Of course, there are spiritual promises contained in the gospel, as we see in Ephesians 1.3. But redemption also has a physical component. Life, land, and progeny encapsulate the physical nature of salvation. Eternal life, scripture tells us, will be realized in a resurrected, glorified physical body as we see in Daniel 12, 2 and Romans 6, 5. The meek will inherit the earth as we see in Matthew 5, 5. Therefore, our final dwelling place is in the new heavens and the new earth, renewed when the heavenly Jerusalem descends on Judgment Day as we see in Isaiah 65, 17 through 25 and Revelation 21. An innumerable multitude of believers, including those of faith whom we parented spiritually, in some cases physically, will live on the new earth, fulfilling the promise of progeny, as we see in Matthew 13, 31-32, and Revelation 7, 9-12. Now, the Lord first pledges this inheritance to Abraham in Genesis 12, 1-3 and then passes it on to his son. He must dwell in the land of which I, God, shall tell you in Genesis 26, 2, revealing Isaac as a new Abraham because his father was given a similar command. Notably, Genesis 26 also gives us the first understanding that Canaan is the only, first, only the first piece of land the covenant community will possess. All these lands will come to Isaac's descendants, as we see in verse 3, hinting that more, indeed, the whole earth will finally rest in the hands of the, of the Israel of God, all those who have faith in him through Christ Jesus, as we see in Romans 11. 
These gospel promises given to Abraham and Isaac are not ultimately opposed to the law of God. The Lord will certainly ensure their fulfillment because he swore an oath to give Canaan to Abraham's sons. And nevertheless, like Abraham, we participate in these promises only by faith, working through love, as we see in Galatians 5.6 and James 2.14-26. Children of believers cannot assume their parents' faith gets them into heaven. They must repent and believe in Christ alone. God can raise up children for Abraham from the stones of the earth, and so children cannot presume the Lord's patient kindness will forever endure their refusal to trust him as we see in Romans 2.4 and Romans 11.22. You see, our obedience does not earn us a place in the kingdom of God. It only shows that we possess the faith that lays hold of salvation, as we see in James 2.14-26. Redemption's greatest blessing is the Lord's presence, which is tied to life, to land, to progeny, because without His dwelling among us, the physical benefits of salvation are nothing. If you are a believer, the Holy Spirit dwells within you, even now, and is working to enable you to honor the law of God. Well, a century after the Persians conquered Babylon and allowed the Jewish exiles to return to Palestine, King Artaxerxes of Persia allowed Nehemiah to supervise the rebuilding of Jerusalem's wall in Nehemiah 1, 1-2-8. And during this operation, Nehemiah's God-given success became a target for foreign envy and even opposition. Yet Nehemiah trusted in the Lord and preserved in the task, as we see in Nehemiah 4, 1 through 7, 4. Now, perhaps Nehemiah found encouragement from Isaac, who faced similar trouble. And though he sinned while in Gerir, God blessed Isaac, moving Abimelech to cast him out of his territory. This Abimelech may have been the same one who made a covenant with Abraham, but more than likely, he is his descendants because Abimelech is probably a title, not a proper name. And yet, in any case, this king of Gerar evidently cared little for the pact that he or his father made while with Abraham, and he envied Isaac to the point of expulsion. See, whenever the Lord grants us great success, we should not be surprised if people envy us. Opposition will often come from non-believers, but unfortunately, other Christians may become jealous too, as we see in Numbers 12. In either case, our response must be the same. Like Isaac, we are to continue trusting the Father and doing His work as revealed in His Word. Today's chapter shows us that it was not enough for the people of Gerar to expel Isaac. They also kept stealing the wells the patriarch dug to support his entourage, as we see in Genesis 26, 17-21. And yet Isaac didn't give up. The Lord continued to bless Isaac, and he was quick to credit God with his success, which finally prompted Abimelech to renew his covenant with Abraham's family. Now this uh, chapter, Genesis 26, it depicts Isaac in an ambivalent fashion. His timidity was his greatest weakness, and it leads to his reprimand from Abimelech. No doubt, it also made it easier for the people of Gerier to steal his lands. But his disposition also made him inclined to do the right thing, namely to make peace with his enemies, as we see in Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 9. John Calvin comments, We learn from Isaac that if any have estranged themselves from us, they are not to be repelled when they again offer themselves to us. Isaac's quiet nature is one biblical example of the maximum. Our greatest strength is also our greatest weakness. Peter's eagerness to make himself heard also manifests this principle in Matthew 16, 
Take some time today to consider that aspect of your personality that is a great strength and has brought you many benefits. Thank God for this gift. Try also to see how it is a weakness so that you may not think too highly of yourselves, as we see in Romans 12.3. Genesis 26, it confirms the Lord's promise to Isaac, and it shows how a son may follow in the sinful footsteps of his father. God promised to be with Isaac and Guerrier and enabled him to dwell there securely for many years with great riches and blessings. And yet, like Abraham before him, this next generation patriarch falls temporarily into the fear and foolishly passes Rebekah off as his sister. When God's people make decisions from fear and not faith, they risk missing the fullness of his blessings. Fearing for Judah's safety, King Hezekiah opened his treasury of Babylon in order to persuade them to align themselves with him and against his enemies. And because he did not trust the Lord, God pledged to deliver those rich, these riches into the hands of others in 2 Kings twenty twelve through 21 And though believers cannot lose salvation, our fearful actions can jeopardize other covenant benefits. In fact, deception, whether it or not it is motivated by fear, may put others at risk, just as Abimelech warns Isaac. But this story also shows us God also intervenes to protect us and others when we make foolish choices, though we may not take his rescue for granted. If you have made a foolish decision out of fear, know that God can redeem the situation for his glory if you repent and trust in Christ alone. There is not one of us who will go through this life without making at least one decision out of fear instead of faith. But just as the Lord used Isaac, an imperfect and timid disciple, so too will he use us even though we lack faith at times. Confess your fears to God and to others whom you trust so that your faith might be strengthened in the Lord. Well, I want to thank you for listening or watching today's episode of Reading the Bible Daily with Dave. My name is Dave, and today is January 26, and we've considered Genesis 26 in this episode. Until tomorrow, may the Lord richly bless you and keep you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Reading the Bible Daily with Dave podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show and rate us wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to also like, subscribe, or follow Servants of Grace on Facebook, Instagram, X, or YouTube. We appreciate your support.